All right, are we recording? I think so. Oh. Yeah, so this is going to be another podcast from Costa Rica. Today I'm going to be talking about driving, uh, doing rental cars, because that's why I'm so tired today, is dealing with that. So just a few tidbits about uh, renting a car when you travel. Um, should you do it? Should when, when should you do it? When shouldn't you do it? A lot of people, uh, this might be more uh, applicable to you. Yeah, we, we have a lot of birds out here, so this should be nice. You can you can hear all the insects. And uh, right now, I'm sitting on the balcony of when I did the one at the pool. This is our room, and it actually is still uh, our uh, the balcony views overlooking the Pacific. There is Costa Rica. It has a peninsula that comes out, and we're looking right at the edge of that peninsula on the Pacific side. So if you look, uh, the name of the town's actually called Jaco. So if you look up Jaco, a pretty famous surfing town, too. If if you're interested in surfing, I, I think it would would have it all, uh, all the resources you need. Or you, if you wanted to try surfing, it's a good place to learn. Uh, but like getting to a place like Jaco. Unless you're staying there, you're going to be taking a bus. So the only other option, you, yeah, you could hire someone, but uh, that's something in Costa Rica that it, it it's not Central America price-wise. Everything's incredibly expensive. The food is uh, a, a lot. I knew it was going to be expensive, but not as much as it was. Even eating in... Um, like uh, little shops, they're called sodas, which is like a little cafe. A soda is su- supposed to mean um, like home, home, home cooked uh, kind of joint, like a little dive, a uh, couple of table type spot. And um, I've ate at a few of those here, and the, the one I ate yesterday in Jocko. It was it was near the beach, but not on the beach. It's still uh, one dish. Had some ceviche uh, as an appetizer, uh, like thirty five dollars a person, and that was just rice, beans. Uh, it was fresh uh, mahi, just a fillet of that, grilled with some rice, beans, salad, some plantains. Uh, thirty five bucks with ceviche and a cup of coffee. And no dessert. That's incredibly expensive. That's just the standard that uh, you, you'll have to deal with when you do come to Costa Rica. So a lot of uh, <laughs> most days that we're just eating one meal around two, three o'clock. Just have one big meal and snack, you know, before or after. Tons of supermarkets that are visible. You don't really have to go searching for them. So pull in, you know, stock up, and and you have uh, your snacks throughout the day. And that's an advantage of having a, a rental car because here at this hotel... uh, Everything's really expensive at this hotel. So... You, eating here of, uh, or even getting whatever to drink here uh, we had two coffees it's like seven dollars a piece on coffee and it's quite terrible cappuccino 
really awful cappuccino because everything's open. So the the coffee beans sit out and all that, and all like you know this tropical humidity. So they're totally toast, and you just have um, just like the the pool waiters are the ones making it so they don't really know what they're doing and the machines are not uh, it's not like an espresso shop so for seven dollars it's quite an expensive cup of of bag coffee so uh, renting a car is is definitely uh, it's a way to save time it's also a way to lose a lot of time because you get overconfident in how far you can really go and when you're planning a trip, you're like, well, we're, we're you know, we're renting a car uh, so we can do this town, this town, this town, this town. But traveling in developing countries or uh, even or just remote areas like New Zealand on the South Island, uh, you cannot guarantee the, the times that are on Google. And it might sound very basic, but when you're planning a trip, even I, I do it all the time, is to get a little overzealous of how far or how much I can see. And uh, But th this trip was moderately paced, and it, it worked perfectly, but it's only because I, I think I had a lot of previous experiences in other places when I am driving to be like, slow it down. I, I know traffic is never reliable, and today it wasn't. Uh, I drove... A, a lot today because we went from uh, the coastal surfing town up to the it's called a cloud forest so it's actually I, I forgot the elevation unfortunately but it's those it has the the canopy walking tours that you can take on the sky bridges and the the clouds are moving through just at a, a feverish pace because it's the the mountain range divides the pacific and the Caribbean side of Costa Rica, so everything merges there. So that kind of keeps certain species on one side of the the, the mountain range, and keeps uh, a lot on the other. And then some weird ones that are just that exist only on the mountaintop. So th the roads going up to that are mostly dirt, washed out roads, and <laughs> that's absolutely unreliable of how far you can get there. And a lot of times you, you'll you be stuck. So today we were stuck for uh, quite a few times if a truck breaks down. A lot of trucks still have to service these villages and communities, uh, the hotels or, or whatever, restaurants on top of these uh, attractions. So they have to grind up those mountains and they break down a lot. And if they do, getting around them and might not even be possible, so you can get stuck. So if you have your, your plans super tight, uh, you're going to miss a lot, and eventually you you will get caught. There's, there's no way around it. But today, uh, the, the car we have, and I highly recommend, uh, is having a four-wheel drive whenever you're going to a place that you're wanting to do some natural tourism, a four-wheel drive is kind of a must. Here it's the dry season, and even with the dry season, uh, like I said, the roads, when you're going to a lot of remote places and where that, that's going to be the places you want to see, that's why you're coming here is to see this more primitive uh, nature or 
more protected nature, it's not going to be a place where tour buses can easily pull in and out. So you need a four-wheel drive. However, when you're looking on doing your trip, you know, you have your budget laid out, you're going to pick a car. Obviously, you see the price of what an SUV or four-wheel drive cost, and it's significantly a lot more. But something to note with that is not just four-wheel drive or two-wheel drive, is the size of the engine of a car. And that's something that I always look for is rental cars in a, uh, a lot of countries uh, that I visit. You have to really, really be careful on what you're getting. A lot of times they're like a 1.2 liter. What the heck is that? I think that's the biggest roach I've ever seen. Hang on. I don't know if you could hear him hitting the... <laughs> yeah, that is. Wow, that thing's huge. It's like a six-inch long roach. <laughs> I, we saw one on the jungle tour doing the, the night tour, and it was it was probably about a four-inch long roach. And those roaches, they're they're wild. They're not like the the common house roach, so that you don't have to worry about them invading your home. They they're not uh, they don't hang around in packs and. I don't know, what do you call a group of roaches? Swarm of roaches, I guess. Yeah, these are more, uh, yeah, I think they live more solitary lives because they're, they're so big as well. Yeah, but anyway, the size of the engine is always way underpowered. So when you're going up these mountains and uh, just trying to filter through traffic, and you will have to filter through traffic in if you're not used to that or traveling in developing countries or uh, or places with a, a lot uh, thicker traffic than most places uh, in the States or a place that's not, that really, that the laws are not, or if they even have laws for, for certain uh, ways of driving, you need to filter traffic and you'll have to do it around scooters, bicycles, people not yielding, not paying attention to stop signs uh, so you, you have to have your your concentration has to be uh, focused 100% on, on what you're doing but you need to get around cars so you have two lane roads everyone's using it even the the big trucks like tractor and trailer trying to get from one town to the other and you have to go around them well you have a 1.2 liter and a little bit of incline it's going to be hard to get around those and uh, I've dealt with that so much. And even on this one with this SUV, it's a Toyota, but and it's a manual. And but yeah, that, that reminds me of something. When you're going to be uh, traveling or you, you want more experience or a better experience when you're traveling to be able to go to certain remote areas and not be stuck or dependent upon public transportation uh, paying buses, being stuck, uh, waiting hours at a time for transitions and layovers. That's exhausting. And it can take, uh, on, a, on a week's trip, you can, by the time you add all that up, that can slash a day out of a, already a short trip when you're going to another country and the money you spend. 
and that yeah, that's one way you have to weigh it is look how much you're already spending. Do you want to waste a day sitting at bus stops or train stations and very uncomfortable rides and not having any freedom or liberty to get to or from? So another couple hundred dollars depends obviously on what you're getting and where you're getting it. But um, if I can drive, I will. Some places it's not uh, not so feasible. But back to the manual. If you do not know how to drive a manual, you need to learn. And if uh, you plan on traveling and want that experience, a lot of times maybe the only car that's left is a manual. Or maybe that's all they carry is manual. Also, manuals are uh, usually about $100, $150 on a week cheaper to drive than an automatic. So it's uh, it can, can be necessary just to learn, and it's, it's a good skill to, to know anyway. Because in all, uh, I know it uh, in the States, manuals are pretty much a thing of the past. And if you rent a car in the States, you're probably never going to come across that issue but if you want to do international travel and hit some of the the more remote parts of the world or you know cooler spots you need to know how to drive a manual so take the time and learn that because if you travel enough you're you're you will need to do it and i've had it several times that's the only car available and because i know how to do that it's, it's i don't even think twice about it but if you didn't i, I don't know what I, I would do is like, well, you're you're at the car rental. What what do you do then when they're like, yeah, we have cars, okay. Oh, they're all manual. I don't know how to do that. So that can be a bit of a problem. So it's something worth learning. And also, it may sound like like a really small detail. And like, well, duh. But a lot of people don't know how to change a tire. And I, I think in uh, kind of a modern world with phones and you think you have this ability to connect uh, so instantly with everyone or if you have a problem hey uh, I'll just call AAA I have a flat don't worry about it well when you're going from these places and seeing these national parks this can be uh, something that would trip you up really quick and strand you in the middle of who knows where uh, so it may sound simple to be able to drive a, a stick or change a tire, but if you want to take these kind of ad adventure trips and uh, you want to do that, uh, you need to know those two two things uh, first before you go. If you've never changed a tire, just do it so you know how to do it. Uh, but because a, a lot of roads, they'll just slash the straight through the tires, especially on cheaper rentals. The tires are not that good. That even happened to me in the States when I rented a car from L.A. It, the car wasn't, I think it wasn't a West Coast car. So the heat rating on the tires were not suitable for the desert. I don't, if you're not aware, car tires actually have a temperature rating. And if you're like... Uh, from Midwest, definitely the the East Coast. The, you, this never even comes to your mind. Like, what's the temperature rating? Is it a rating? Uh, I, I think it's A, B, 
something like that. And the A ratings are for, because uh, I know my friends in Saudi Arabia, they always talk about this, and I had never known that because they have to have like an A rating, A rated tire, because uh, like a B rated, what I drive now, uh, they'll just shred when it gets over like 100, when it stays over 110 degrees. Surface temperature, who knows, <laughs> probably 150. And uh, when I was going through, I rented the car in LA, drove it all the way up to Wyoming and down uh, to Arizona and through Las Vegas. And when we were coming through Vegas, it was 120 degrees. Absolutely brutal. And I thought the tires were coming apart because they were not, uh, they, they were uh, B rated tires. And when I pulled into Atlanta, that, or excuse me, from uh, to LA, that stretch from Vegas to LA, those tires were bubbling. The tread completely come off all four tires. Like they were bald and bubbling. And I'm like, any moment they're going to blow because it was 120 degrees. The road temperature was just cooking the tires. And when we pulled into LA, uh, they, they were they were done. I, I really think I could have put my finger through the tire. They were so soft. It was like donuts. And uh, we planned ahead of time and rented that car for like, uh, it was a Dodge Durango. I put near, it was over 5,000 miles on it and rented it for like 600 bucks for over a month. It was right at a month. So, uh, <laughs> no way I would let someone <laughs> beat my car up for 600 bucks to do that. And it, it needs four new tires because I roasted those tires because it, it was in the middle of summer and yeah, it got hot up, you know, in, in, uh, Idaho and California, but nothing like that stretched through from uh, Grand Canyon back to LA going through Vegas. It just absolutely melted those tires. So if anything did happen, I was, you know, I, I could handle it. But if you don't know and you're in, well, uh, Tasmania going through uh, you need to go to Hobart to catch your plane the, the next morning and you're up in the, the north looking at penguins and you have to cut across I don't know the name of the park uh, but yeah that happened to me because again going back to you can't trust the roads and today the highway it was called Highway 620 well what was the highways called Route 620? And, you know, the route here, it was something you would call like a service road or like a, a national park house or like parks. They have access roads, uh, really rough access roads, not even graveled. Like this road, it was barren, washed out. And that was that was the actual route. And it was on Google Maps. Uh, I don't know, 100 kilometers an hour. And I was in first gear the whole way. Lucky to, you know, uh, shift up to second gear. So that definitely added a whole lot more time and could easily blow my tire out. More people were around here, but when I was in Tasmania and hit a kangaroo in the middle of the night because Google sent me on a what said was a highway, I didn't pass anyone for... Uh, several hours and I don't think anyone was coming back to that park system at that night because it was already uh, very late closer to midnight and uh, had 
you know, the tire gone out or something, and they didn't know how to deal with that, that's a bit of a serious situation. So it, it's not something to be nagging like your mom about, but if you've never done it, you, you need to know. Because I've, I've had several experiences where you're on the highway, hey, it's all cool, and you're going to a place that's famous. And much less if you're trying to find places that are really off the beaten path, but even places that everyone's like, yeah, you go here and you do this, and you go from here to here. Okay, a lot of times they don't mention how <laughs> terrible the roads really are. Or uh, a lot of times they might be washed out. Uh, something can happen between whatever blog or reviews you've read between now and then. And that happened to us recently in Japan with a typhoon come through and wiped out pretty much every road in Hakone's where uh, it's, it's off to the east of Mount Fuji so you have all kinds of hot springs the onsens you can stay in the traditional Japanese homes and one of the most popular ways of getting there is by train and J Japan rails I don't think I need to tell you how popular the rail system is in Japan but and but and I wish I would had rented a car on that trip and I will the next time I go to Japan because it really ate into our time schedule because of the uh, the the rail lines were washed out so the roads were also there's roads and rail lines so the the bus systems were all screwed up uh, the routes that I had planned for on the trip, I'm like, we go here to here, it takes one hour to go from here to here. No, it took three hours to go to here to there, and it had to go across the most winding roads possible. So you're sick by the time you get there. You already missed the train that you thought you would have got when you arrived. That would have been two hours ago. So, oh, you got to check into the hotel that you've already paid for at this place. Uh how do you get there? And then the, you've already missed the last bus and you see things can really get uh, go south quick if you don't leave yourself enough time. So step up and rent the car next time you go on a vacation. Don't stick to the, uh, the guided... I haven't... I have never done like a guided tour. I don't think I ever will. <laughs> It's just, just not me. And if you're younger and you, you've uh, never done it, you, you can do it. It's uh, Just have a little more planning. Be a little more competent in some basic things about operating a car. Uh, a little more so than uh, in the States. If you've never put a car in four-wheel drive or never driven one, figure out how to do that. Take it, Go off-roading. Uh, learn learn what it's like drive in the snow if you've also never done that uh, just just maybe it might sound like simple things but if you've never done it, it you can really have this false sense of, of confidence and also have your way and route planned out on paper it'll sound like an old man but uh, do not rely on your phone to get you from point A to point B because even though these a lot of places are, you, you would think it's like this place is so popular between here and there. There's a billion 
uh, photos online about it. Everyone's been there, it seems. Oh, another roach. Holy crap, that thing's big. From point A to point B. I'm just... I just don't want that thing to fall on me, that's all. And you know something that's odd is... Anytime you're in the tropics, you you know, have lizards everywhere that eat all the bugs. And they, of course, they've, they've been here, but they're not here tonight. And that's the first time I've seen that. I don't know if it has a connection. It's getting closer. Holy crap. I will hit you. One of us is going over the balcony and it's not me. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, I hope you can hear that. He's hitting the, the roof of the balcony. I might make you dinner. Not make you a dinner, make you the dinner. It's like Indiana Jones, those big beetles they eat. That's about the size of it, except it's a roach. Oh, crap. Ooh. He just flew in the door and I think he killed himself. I'm going to just show him. <laughs> Sorry for <laughs> the delay, but. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to show him over this side. Drop my mic. We have a have a battle going on. <laughs> this is war. This is war. Oh, okay, I, I got rid of him. There we go. He's. else 